Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. to introduce our guests, Alan Peterson and Mitch Carmody, and our topic today is The Holidays, Helpful or Hurtful. Alan Peterson is an award-winning singer-songwriter, having spent several years writing music in Nashville, Tennessee. In August of 2001, Alan's 18-year-old and only daughter, Ashley, was killed in an automobile accident. This painful event would change his life completely. Alan plays music and speaks about surviving parental grief. Mitch Carmody is an author, artist, and photographer. His book, Letters to My Son, is about the loss of his nine-year-old son, Kelly, who died of cancer in 1987. Mitch conducts workshops for the bereaved all over the country and is a keynote speaker and workshop presenter on grief and the process of recovery. Welcome to the show, Mitch and Alan. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. You know, I always think, you know, I want to say Merry Christmas, but for some people, it's sure not married this year, is it? No, that is a hard one to say. I always kind of catch myself. To and this is Mitch, right? <laughs> this is Mitch, I'm sorry. Yeah, kind yeah. of say that for us until people get used to our voices. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's difficult to say Merry Christmas when you're, mm-hmm. it's the worst day of your life. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when you remember, depending on when the death occurred, too, but Christmas is always bad. For me, Christmas, my son died December 1st, so it was the, you know, that first Christmas was just horrible. There was mm-hmm. nothing prepared, you know. We just, we actually used a, my mother-in-law's neighbors were out of town and they had all set up for Christmas and said they were down, out of town for the Christmas week and we just stayed overnight in their house because they had the tree all set up and we just had kind of a very weird, lonely Christmas at someone else's house. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, know, I hardly uh, even remember that first Christmas. How about you, Alan? Well, you know, I think uh, I was very fortunate. Ashley died in August and that first Christmas I was, uh, had been around people that understood grief and uh, we just kind of set a, a whole new uh, holiday ritual. We, we changed what we did. We didn't do it any, anything the same as we'd done it before. Uh, Christmas was so special to Ashley and uh, we kind of continued that uh, through the years and uh, the boys and I and everybody, uh, we just set a whole new set of rituals that we, we carried through and so Christmas is different for us. We don't try to pretend that we can go back and ever make it be the same, and we all accept that, and, and that's kind of been how we've gotten through the holidays by managing them. And, uh, but it is a difficult time for so many people, and, uh, and my, my advice is always to kind of take control of the holidays yourself. And for some people, doing it the way they always did it brings them comfort, and for others, just uh, setting new, new things and new ways that you do it works. And so... You kind of got to go with the kind of person that you are and whatever works for you. Kind of a challenge, though, because, you know, if you've got kids involved, how do you always remind me? Tell them what you remind me of about the kids. Well, where it becomes a problem is if the parents and the kids don't agree. If everyone's on board, it's, it's actually great. But sometimes I've heard, and, and Mitch and Alan, you can speak to this, um, that the parents are in a really bad place, understandably, and the kids want to have kind of a happy day because they lo- they're so excited to have Christmas. Yep. And the parents are grieving, and the kids, it's hard for the kids when they see that. Yeah, we, you know, in my case, I was very fortunate because we all worked it out together. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, because I'm divorced and my the boys have, you know, two families to go to, and we worked it out in a way, and that's exactly the case. The boys wanted to have make it as happy, and, and we did everything that we could, and we so we just really sat down at the table and said, mm-hmm. okay, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what works for us, but you definitely have to have the kids involved. And uh, I've gotten to a place now where I, I really can celebrate Christmas, um, and because I know that's what Ashley would want me to do. Yeah, so how many years we, has it been for you, Alan? Well, seven years now. Uh-huh. And how about you, Mitch? Uh, Twenty-one. Yeah. What have you seen differently on the holidays, Mitch? I see. Well, it was just, you know, two years before my son died, my twin sister and her two boys were killed. Mm-hmm. And so that was the beginning of just trying to get to the holidays with two chairs empty, you know. Then after two years, it was three chairs empty or four chairs empty, wow. you know. And so for us, it was just about... We talked about it as a family. Not, it's not, not about giving presents. It's about being present. Oh, I like that. I love you know, that. And just being together and sharing and talking. And the, the, the hub-hub of Christmas is secondary, and we learned that early on. But when we had a six-year-old daughter who, who had just lost her brother, we had to put on a face and we had to gear up and make Christmas. I mean, that's the most important years for a child for Christmas mm-hmm. is that age. Right. And so instead of burying it like... With, with Kelly, like we wanted to do and say, forget this whole Christmas fiasco, because we all talk about it, you know, that way anyway, because of the, all the hubbub and the glitter. And But, yeah, we do it, and it's fun. But we just, well, for Megan, every December 1st, the anniversary of his death, we will go out and cut down our Christmas tree. So that's what we did every year. That was our that was our early Kelly day when Kelly, when Megan was small, and we'd go out and cut the Christmas tree. And you did it as kind of a Kelly day? As Kelly Memorial, yes. Oh, okay. We put that's it up nice. on December 1st, and we put it, took it down the day after Christmas because it was a fire hazard that long. But, <laughs> you know, we wanted to get it up and do that for Kelly that day, and we'd pick it out and always have a fresh tree. And then years later, when she went to school, We'd take her, you know, out of school sometimes and get the tree. And then we went to an artificial tree when she got into high school just because it was easier and she didn't care and we didn't go out anymore. And then when she went to college, no more tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, just don't, we just don't do trees anymore until right. we have a granddaughter now. So we've had, this is the first year we've had a, a tree in three years because our granddaughter's here and she's three years old. Now, did you cut it at, down on Kelly Day? No, we just no, we just bought an artificial one too, and, uh. and just uh, just put it up now, just for her. You know, we, uh-huh. our whole house is converted to being a grandfather grandma house now. <laughs> well, well, Mitch, I like how you're showing how rituals change over time. We don't have to be, you know, stuck at wed to one ritual. They can change over time as our grief changes and as we're in a different place. You're right. As the scene changes, it was so important for Megan at that age. But we were dying inside. We our heart wasn't it. We didn't want to do it. We were just doing mm-hmm. it for her because that's what a child needs. And then when we get older, we said, why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense for us. We were just doing it for her. So we just don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, yeah, it does change. And, Everything and, changes. And as, as Alan pointed out, I mean, open communication with the kids is so important. I love the idea of sitting around with the kids and say, okay, what does everybody want? What is the consensus this year? I mean, our second year after my brother died, we all decided as a family, the three girls, my sisters and me and my parents, that we wanted to go to Hawaii and do something 100% different. And it was so great because I needed a break from, Chris, you know, from the, the Christmas that we once knew. Now we were going to have new rituals like Alan talked about and new things because we were creating a new normal. Things weren't going to be like they used to be because Scott was no longer with us. 
Yeah, no matter what diehard Christmas person, a trip to Hawaii is not doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I also recommend to people to also keep your heart and your mind open to the fact that Christmas can be good again. And I'll give you an example mm, of that. I love that. If we go into the season and, and, and we say, you know, it's just going to be terrible, I know what happened to me is two years ago, doggone it, I was out grocery shopping and I caught myself singing along to the Christmas carol music that was playing in the grocery store, and I went, now, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be doing this. But I began to realize that if I would leave myself open, that there can be a joy in the holidays again. And, you know, so many times I'll sit around uh, when I'm working with bereaved parents, and, boy, the mood will just be that, you know, the holidays can never be good again. But, you know, they can be good again. You've got to be open to that. And so... uh I love I the fact myself. that you spontaneously were singing a Christmas carol because I, that, I, I you know, that is what happens when we're open to things, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, really neat. And we're going to get to uh, your music, Alan, and tell us about the song we're going to play in our next segment. Well, I've got a new CD that I came out with this year, and uh, it's kind of a, a look at where I am in grief now. It's called More Songs from the Journey. But I also wrote several songs on this, uh, My Brother, I lost his son, uh, 31-year-old son, just two years ago, and oh I kind of walked through that first year with him. So there's some songs on there that are kind of a look at the process of grief, and that's what this song is about, the early look at grief, I guess, called Something You Go Through. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's called Something You Go Through. Great. And uh, when we come back from break in a few minutes, we'll play that. Um, Alan, how, you know, your brother now has lost his son two years ago, Um and I know, uh, um, Mitch, you have had multiple losses in your life. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's different? Um, do you respond differently? Uh, how has it changed you? Why don't you start with that, Alan? Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, when my brother lost his son the day before Thanksgiving two years ago, I, uh, I was a little surprised because I thought, you know, I'm going to handle this so easily because good grief, I, I've gone through, survived the loss of a child, and I was more than five years down the road. I think what um, what I found was walking through that, especially that first year with him, it, it took me back to a place and gave me a, a new appreciation of just how difficult that first year of grief, and to watch his hopelessness and his helplessness, and, and, and to be there for him and really intimately be involved once again, um, really was eye-opening. I tell you what it did, it helped the work that I do, the ministry that I do with parents. It, it helped just remind me again that uh, just how, how fragile and how vulnerable we are in that first year, and I think it really um, added to what I do, and it also took me to a place that made me realize that, boy, that grieving process for myself um, it doesn't matter what I'd gone through on my own. It was fresh and new grief for me, and I had to go through the grieving process myself again. And no matter how, we're never immune to that. Well, process. of course, it was your nephew, so you go through yeah. that from that point of view, right? And he was so close to Ashley. Him and Ashley were so very close, and uh, Ashley's death was so hard and difficult for Shane. And um, so, yeah, I learned a lot about this process, again, going through it, that, that I wasn't immune, and, and then also being... And, just, and did you also learn, Alan, that you were in a different place? It must have shown you, too, hey, wait a minute, I'm in a really different place than, than my... Is it your brother? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that um, uh, 
Yeah, you know, I, it, it made there me grateful. There is healing. It makes you realize mm-hmm. that. Oh, I, I felt so grateful that I had moved through there. And even watching my brother now over this past Thanksgiving, and we took time to remember Shane and Ashley at our dinner, and just to watch where he is at two years and his growth. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it you know, it's it just the understanding of the grief process, not only from the thousands of bereaved parents I meet doing concerts all, all over the country, but then to intimately walk through those first two years with him uh, gives me a whole appreciation and a, and a gratefulness, especially in the, uh, this time of the year with the holidays. I heard a friend say the other day She just can't get on with her life She said I feel stuck and I feel guilty And I know my husband needs his wife And I told her Grief isn't something you get over something you go through It pays no mind to the hands of time It becomes a part of you It's living proof that love never dies It leaves these teardrops in our eyes You don't get over Something you go through I said, friend, you know It wasn't that long ago I lost the love of my life That little girl of mine Oh, she was something I still miss her Every day and night And that's how I learned Grief isn't something you get over It's something you go through It pays no mind to the hands of time It becomes a part of you It's living proof that love never dies It leaves these teardrops In our eyes You don't get over It's something you go through It's finding a gentle place Moving at your own pace Trusting the love you feel Knowing your heart will heal Grief isn't something you get over It's something you go through It pays no mind to the hands of time It becomes a part of you It's living proof that love never dies It leaves these teardrops In our eyes You don't get over You don't get over We wouldn't want to get over
something you will go through. Wonderful song. Uh, Mitch, uh, I wondered, uh, you have probably had some things to log on with about in our last segment where we were talking a little bit about um, uh, with Alan about his brother, and I was wondering what uh, kinds of things that the losses in your life uh, and the people that you work, what, what have you come to see about loss? Yeah, I think that if, if experiences do make a difference and, and the timing and your age and and you know, I when my my father died at fifteen, you know, and then my sister uh, and her boys died two years before Kelly died, and mm-hmm. and so each one of those I tried to grieve like I did the time before, which is like my mother, which was very Nordic. Uh, you put it away and you don't talk about it, you know. So, but I couldn't live like that anymore. I was just going crazy. I had to actually go back and grieve for my father, so I could grieve for my sister, you know, so I could adequately grieve for my son now. So it. That first five years was really hard for me, and I didn't celebrate at all. I didn't have any inclination. I just was in a shell, you know, for a long, long time. It took me a long time to to peck out of that shell, and just and um, so. But once I was out of that shell, then I could really the light start coming in, and I mean, I stretched my wings. I could feel, I mean, a whole new birth, and and went back and then grieved all over again, and really saw how. I was in the gray zone for so long, and there's no, that's not a, that doesn't, there's no way to celebrate your child's life. Two lives are wasted. Two deaths occur, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you allow that in your life. And so I said, no, I've got to re- relive my life, re- you know, re- re-examine my new normal and make it a better normal and not a worse normal. You know what I love about that, Mitch, and is that you're saying to our audience out there, hey, there's always hope. Oh, it's open never those too wings late. and spread you out. You've got the and... rest of your life mm-hmm. to change, yeah. to do with with you know. You can you can grieve as long as you want to, any way which you want to. And there's always and now with the internet and with what Alan and I are providing and what you guys provide, it's, it's, show, it's enlightening and showing so many people there are better ways to grieve. There are proactive ways that we. To grieve, there are, and that can cut the the, the journey down. Where my first five years and twenty years ago was horrible, that doesn't have to be anymore. It's not well. well it's, it's kind of like the message that you and Alan are also giving us is, it's okay to allow yourself, like Alan said, to be open to the possibility of joy again. Yes. Well, you know, I, I, and another thing that uh, this is Alan piping in here, but uh, another thing that Mitch and I uh, found to be uh, so prevalent out there is, you know. We do this work, and we work with so many bereaved families and bereaved parents, and they get to the, to the point of survival where they say, you know, okay, I survived this. Mm-hmm. Now what? And, you know, just surviving this is a monumental challenge. But once you reach that point where you say, okay, I have survived uh, the loss of my child or my grandchild or my brother or sister, and then you say, but then now what? And what Mitch and I have found is that, Finding that quality of life again is so important. And how do you do it? How do these people that we meet, how did they do it? We began to ask questions and look into their lives and look into our own lives and say, you know, you can find a quality of life again. You can find, uh, you can have passion in your life again. You can truly celebrate your child or your loved one. And that's what the work Mitch and I are now doing is all about. How do we get from just simply surviving to finding passion and quality in our life again. And, and you're going around and speaking together, is that right? Yeah. Well, Mitch can, uh, Mitch, uh, first of all, I'm, Mitch is such a dear friend, and he is such a wealth of information and, and positive 
thinking about grief. Him and I met each other, what, Mitch, about a year and a half ago and at a conference in Chicago. Chicago. Never met each other. I didn't, we didn't really know about each other. We sat down and had about a 10-minute conversation before I had to go play at this conference. Um, and we formed a friendship, and uh, uh, I, a couple months later, I kidnapped him up there in Minneapolis. Literally kidnapped him. me. I did. I <laughs> took him on the road for three events, and he'd learned my songs. And uh, these were just events I had planned. And uh, his wife, I, has she forgiven me yet, Mitch? But oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, after the next couple visits, she would say, oh, here comes Alan. She, you know, just well, I tried to hold him for ransom, but nobody would pay me. But so you guys going to do a book, eating. too, about all this? <laughs> well, I no, think we're so busy right now. <laughs> uh, how are people going to see you guys together? What are you, what are you calling your things? A, a father's grief or two something, dads? was it? Two dads? Two dads. Okay. Just two dads. You know, we're called kind of our, on a proactive grieving platform. That's what we're kind of going for Ooh, and I talking about that we can do. That There are ways you can go out and jump into your grief, immerse yourself into it, not hide from it or accept what was in the past. I mean, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is all we had for years, but there's much more than that. Right. You know, I was saying to someone yesterday, I was seeing a couple, and and they said, uh, oh, I'm seeing a grief expert, you know, and I'm like, I kind of laughed because I thought, you are the grief expert right now. I mean, you're going to have this experience. It's It's a very difficult experience, but you're going to have an experience no matter what. Oh, and I'm so looking forward to going to different cities where people know Alan, too, and they know me from different ways, and they see, mm-hmm. oh, we're coming together, and they go, oh, my God, you guys are coming together. They, they get very excited that, that we're coming because we're just very natural grievers, too. We're not, you know, we're just trying to share bread with another beggar, you know. We're, not, we're just trying to show our experience and say that. Now, what are you going to tell them that, that is going to lift them? Yeah, Alan, give be, us a how lifting. How can you be proactive well, in your grief? Yeah. yeah. Well, let me tell you what, what, how this came to be. First of all, we started hatching this plan over a steak dinner in Fargo, North Dakota, and we started talking oh. about what we both believe about grief, what we had both learned. Mitch was much farther down the road than I was, and, and, um, and as we began to continue to have conversation, uh, we began to say, wow, you know, between us, using Mitch is a fantastic artist. A lot of people don't realize this. Mm. And I was so touched. Mitch did a portrait of my Ashley for me that is unbelievable. He does it for, he's done it for many other parents. But we began to talk about, Mitch coined the phrase for us, proactive grieving. Well, Mitch, I'm going to say something to you. You're the one that coined this title for us, Holidays Helpful or Hurtful. What, where do you get that from, and are they helpful or hurtful? Well, it's from, from my experience and from those around me, and, and because, it, you know, I, as I alluded to earlier about how my journey has changed through the, through the years, originally Christmas was hurtful. I hated it. I had to put up the face and go through it, and now I find it very helpful. You know, it's, 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 it's being, my life has been restored again, and so it's, it's, I love looking, I love, I, I hated not liking Christmas music. I love Christmas music, and for years it was hurtful to listen to it, so I didn't, but now I, I, I listen to it again, and I re-brought it back into my life, and it feels so, to feel, have that feeling of joy in your heart again that you can't define, but you can feel, and that's happening again, and so it it it's, it can different uh, time for everybody. You know, no matter how many years you're into your journey, 
there can be joy again. So there's a message of hope. This holiday may not be like it was last year or the year before. It may be better. It may be worse. Alan, what's your take on that? The holidays helpful or hurtful? Well, I believe that, um, you know, grief is a series of choices that we make. And as we go down the road a bit, I I guess the choice we can make is whether or not we're going to let grief win and and take the holidays away from us the rest of our lives. That's a good point. You've lost so much. Do you want to lose, you know, all that too? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, and 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 I I know that some people choose that, and they say, you know, my holidays will never be good again. But like I said earlier in the show, you know, when we heal and when we're open, um, we're surprised sometimes what we find. And uh, and 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 I I do enjoy the holidays. They're a, they're a beautiful time of year, and I think that as we enjoy the holidays, we get to reap the benefit of of healing. And, and, and how did you feel that first year? Oh, it was horrible. And how's your brother doing? How did he feel? You know, my brother is just the exact opposite of me. My brother has to maintain those same traditions. They always put up their Christmas tree on Thanksgiving night. His son, that was a big part of it. They did it together as a family. They always lived in the same area. So he maintains those same traditions, and that's what brings him comfort. And you know, that that's a good point right there because here we've got, you know, one person wants to do it one way, one person the other way. The only problem is if you've got a husband who wants the tree up and you've got a wife who doesn't or, you know, you've got some kind of family stuff going on, that can be difficult for those folks out there. They are difficult. And, uh, you know, so many times, you know, our grief is like our DNA. We all grieve so differently. And I've been fortunate that I've been able to, the people around me and I have been able to work that out. And, but for some people, that, that is very, very difficult. And you have one person that wants to celebrate uh, Christmas and feels like celebrating again, and maybe they're married to somebody who doesn't want any part of that. So those are difficult situations. Now, I've got a, an email here from a Mary from Tucson, Arizona, and she says that uh, she sent us a general email, the grief blog, and she said that one of my problems is that my mo- we always go to my mother-in-law's for Christmas Eve, I do not want to do it this year. And and it could be we could say Christmas Day because we're on Christmas Day this afternoon. You know, if your mother-in-law or whatever wants you to go to their house for dinner or for New Year's, what do you do when you don't want to do those rituals anymore and relatives want you to do them? Uh, do, do you want to take that, Mitch? Mitch, I, I'd say be honest, be true to yourself, and just say, no, I can't do it this year. You don't have to argue. You don't have to make up excuses or I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm tired or, you know, just say, no, I can't do it this year. Just And, and then maybe next year I can. It, it, it's not, a, shouldn't be any much argument. And any good marriage, any good family to survive has got, got to be compromised. So you, you, you compromise on something, you know, you give and take on both sides and come up with a happy medium for everybody. What about you, Alan? What do you think about that? Well, when those questions come like that, that are difficult ones, that's when laymen like me and Mitch defer to professionals like Well, I think Mitch is making a good point. I think we too often just do what everybody else wants, and then we just crash, and it's it's just miserable for us. And we do need to check in with ourselves and go, you know what? It's okay if I take care of myself this year. I don't want to go, and I need to take care of myself. But you might say, but the kids would like to, if they do. Could you come over and pick them up? 
or have a friend drop them mm-hmm. off or something. Tell people what you need. Yeah, yeah like, tell people what you need, then tell someone else, I can't do it, Have some, you come and pick them up, or you know, you know, give yeah. people direction. They, they, want, they ask, whatever can I do? Then you give yeah. them what they can do. Or, or, you know, I can't put up my Christmas tree this year because my brother used to do it, and it's too painful, but my, other, but my kids need a tree. Can you come and put a tree up for us? Yep. Whatever's yep. needed, I agree. We need to teach people, as we've said before on the show, to be good grief support. Especially during the holidays. And in the mental attitude that you have, you know, when you say, oh, my Christmas will never be good again. You know, right there, I mean, words are powerful. You you create your reality. If you say it'll never be good again, it will never be good again. So you even choose your vocabulary. Well, you know what, and also, if you have other children and you put messages in the air of our Christmas will never be good again, my life will never be good, there's other kids that are there. So what does it say for them? I mean, sometimes kids hear that as, I'm not... Loved not, enough for you to have a great Christmas. Right, I'm not good enough. Or yeah, exactly. Should have been me, you know. And then they, they, they you know, they. That's a tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I especially love it when people out there come up to you and say, "Oh, uh, they hear that your child died, and they say, oh, you'll never get over it.' That's the first person you'll think of every morning.' And I'm like, "How do you know what I'll do?" Oh yes. Yes, you know, and with Christmas cards, that's another whole topic. We're t- we're on Christmas here. Do do we sign our child's name? Oh, yeah. And what about what about the whole Christmas picture? In the picture, where you usually you know where you have the kids in the picture. I mean, do you what do you do? Do you take you do a picture this year? Do you not? I mean, that's yeah, those kind of things. Like you said, do we put the child's name? Yeah, the cards have been sent now, but yeah. what were the cards like? And if you didn't want to send a Christmas card, do you want to think about sending a New Year's card or something? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you. Uh, I know one family has sent out a card. I haven't gotten it yet, but um, they, they're sending out a card with their son's picture on it and some things about it. But not everyone would want to do that. No, not everyone. No, and then you can go over the top where you just, every card or every return sticker you put on your envelope has a picture of your child on it. You know, we can be... But, Go in that spot too. We can, you know, go over the top in our grief, you know, or we can well, be in the closet or somewhere. And, in and Mitch, I've actually worked with kids and heard kids that have said, "There's so many reminders of our sibling in the house that we can't concentrate. We need there to be reminders, but not everywhere. We need to kind of sometimes be able to to move away from it also if we need to focus. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, we can do the other extreme." However, I want to say to all you people out there, if you're in, if this is your first Christmas, you can't go over the top. Whatever you want to do right. is just going to be what it is. It's survival. Yes. You know, you can't cry too much. You can't not cry too much for the folks who say, I'm not crying enough. You know, whatever you're doing, you're doing. Give yourself the gift of just being yourself this Christmas, you know, right now in this moment. Well, and I think you know, you're making a good point because I always hear people saying, yeah, people are judging the way that we're doing it. You know, our in-laws or whoever are judging the way we're doing it. We, they don't like the way that we're grieving. So like you said, people need to give themselves permission to do it the way they want to. I mean, this is a huge loss in your lives, and you're on survival mode right now. Absolutely. And there will be a lot of well-intentioned people that will give you advice. Mm-hmm. Alan, what about music? That really... Um... I just think of these people out there. Those that's tough, isn't it? Taking you back into those songs, like "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Yeah, you know, uh, I think when music's a, a big part of your life, uh, sometimes just Christmas music. People will tell me how painful that is for them, just hearing Christmas songs, and I certainly can relate to that. I, I tell you, there's a lady I met in Grand Junction, Colorado, that does something, and this is how she survives holidays and birthdays and 
every Christmas now, she goes out and she buys herself a gift from her son. Ah, her. Ah, ah. And uh, she says, you know, I know he would want me to, and she wraps it up and she puts it <laughs> under the tree, and same way for her birthday. And you know, she says, Alan, people, her neighbors and friends and family thinks that she's just, you know, uh, over the top. But she, uh, she showed me some of the gifts that she got herself. She says, I know my son would want me to have this. One was this beautiful lamp. And the point of it is that, you know, she opens up that present on Christmas morning, and for her, that works. Uh-huh. And, you know, for other people, that might not, and, and it's over the top for them, but that is what she does. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. Whatever gets you through, whatever, whatever your soul and your heart tell you might bring you comfort in the holidays, I say go for it if that works for you. Absolutely, yeah. People have uh, some creative ways of dealing with pe- things like that, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a great thing. And with the holidays, as Mitch, uh, when you approach New Year's Eve as well, and that's another whole celebration that our society does and starting a new year, and it's a rebirth type of thing. And and what we started doing, we learned that we went to a Unity Church for a while, and it was making intentions for the year, and you burn those up on, on Christmas or New Year's Eve and send them up. And, and when you're in grief, you know, that's a good way sometimes to make an intention, you know, that to really and, and write it down and send it up to your loved one and say, I'm going to do this for you. You know, like we it. are the, like in Alan's song, the gifts left behind, we are the gifts left behind. Absolutely. We are going to go out with a song of Alan's called Celebrate the Children. We kind of switched our songs because you're going to hear earlier on in the show is something you go through. So um, before, you know, we've got a few minutes to talk about what you guys are doing. You're doing your workshop. We want to know how to get a hold of you. Um, what, what sites do people go on? Uh, Alan, do you want to give us the site? Yes. Uh, you can go to my website, which is www everashleymusic.com everashleymusic.com and Mitch, what's your website? www.heartlightstudios.net Okay, so you can go to both of their sites, uh, very rich sites, and, and take a look at what they're doing and when they're going to pre- be presenting. Uh, what exactly uh, are going to entail in your workshops? Who, who wants to take that? Go I'll ahead, Alan, you're... Okay, I'll briefly do it and then let Mitch come in. We're going to do full-day workshops, and basically they're going to be broken down into four different workshops. We're going to use Mitch's artwork and my music in most of them, but we're going to do a, a... The first one is going to be one called Faces of Grief. Mitch has done about 20 portraits that are just unbelievable, uh, showing people in uh, different emotions of grief. And so we have a workshop centered around his artwork called Faces of Grief. And then we're going to, the second workshop is going to be one that I do. I've spoken about with you uh, before, the four H's, the, 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 the hope and help, honor and healing, the things I see at work in the lives of people successfully moving through their grief. It's all based on people I've met and experiences I've had. And, and so that's a more nuts and bolts look at uh, the grieving process. The third one, Mitch, why don't you take that, uh, is Mitch's uh, Whispers of Love, and tell them about that workshop, Mitch. Yeah, that, and that workshop will be Whispers of Love, which is just another term I coined for those nudgings that come from our loved ones who have died. And, and uh, at the TCF conference this summer, it was just, I mean, there's 400 people who were cramming into each mm-hmm. session just to hear this, it was unheard of my people because everybody wa- wanted to have validation that they're not nuts. <laughs> that, that these whispers of love, these 
the after-death communication is the term that's been broadcast from the Guggenheim's book, and and I, I don't really believe that even adequately describes because um, it can be nudges before they even die. Uh, the, the children give an indication to their parents somehow something very different from their nature that uh, weeks before they died and they died in an accident, but yet they did something extraordinary. Yeah, Phil, uh, Scott actually told his sister and her friend that if he something happened to him, it would be okay. That oh, a week wow. before. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I did yeah. an unofficial poll because I've talked about the whispers of love, which were after-death communication, per se, and then I took a poll of parents who had lost a child by accident, and 90% had had something where the child said or did something that was really extraordinary or said something. Right. Even my twin sister, we celebrated our 28th birthday together, and she said, Mickey, I'm staying 28 forever, and a week later <laughs> yeah. she was dead. Yeah. You know, so we don't know. A girl in Texas at this conference Wrote on her website, if I'm going to die on her MySpace, she said, I'd like to die in a fiery inferno. You know, and a month later, her whole family burned up in the, in the inferno, except for her mom, dad, and one little brother. Mm. So it does, you, you, it's, it's unbelievable. So this, this workshop is really powerful, and people really want to, to come and share their story. So it's a lot of sharing so they can tell their story and, and, and get validation for themselves. Now, these are, this is full day? This is a full day work. Yeah, it'll be each workshop. You know, it's probably it's full day workshop. So each workshop will maybe two hours long. Do you have any idea about where they're going to be? What cities and when? Well, we're, yeah. we're, we're our premiere is going to be in Aurora, Colorado, and near near where right ten minutes from Allen's house. And January twenty eighth, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and um, go ahead, Alan. Tell me some of the other cities that you. Well, I'm kind of Mitch is the nuts and bolts guy. He he does a lot of the putting of the. The hard work of writing and putting our manual together of our ideas. I'm the booker, I guess you could say. But February 28th at the Heartlight Center in Aurora, Colorado. Okay. Uh, and is that mid- what day of the week is that? They're all going to be on Saturday. Okay. Right now, uh, we're going to be in Hartford, Connecticut. We're in in the mid July. We're still finalizing that. South Florida in November. We're going to have it all up there over the next couple of months. We haven't even done the press release to the to the people we know. So if people have an interest in us bringing it to their city or wanting to attend one, we're really trying to be geographically diverse so that we hit most regions of the country this year. Because of our own travel schedules, mine and Mitch's, we're going to be limited to probably 10 to 12 this year. Uh, but uh, we're excited about it. The people we've talked to about it already are excited. And it gives us the time to really spend some quality time with people. Most of the events we do now at conferences, we have an hour, an hour and a half, and boom, we're in and we're out. And so this gives us a full day to really That's work great. with people. Well, thank you guys for being on the show, and it's, it's been great having you on. But I want to say, Heidi, for me, what Mitch and um, what Alan represent is hope and that there is life after loss. Absolutely, and I was going to say, these guys are very dynamic speakers. I have been presented next door to them. You will, they touch on every emotion. You will laugh. You will cry. You will embrace life. You will definitely find hope again. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have a closing comment, each of you, that you want to make to, for our audience out there? Well, I would say this, Mitch, that um, is don't be afraid to talk to your loved one, to ask for guidance. In that, like the Alabama song, There Are Angels Among Us, you have to look for them. They are out there everywhere, ready to support you and help you. And pretty soon, one day in the, in the future in your grief, you become one of those angels as well to help others in theirs. Absolutely. And Alan? Yeah, I, I would just say with this being Christmas Day, uh, 
don't let anybody tell you uh, how to grieve your holidays, how to get through them. Listen to that little small voice inside you, your instincts. You're the CEO of your grief, and let that voice take charge and guide you through the holidays, and you will get through them that way. Um, and just be open to, to the hope and to the change and to the healing that you will find over the years. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thanks and for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. And we're going to go out with Alan's uh, song. We got to know the magic of their smiles If only for a while Wasn't it beautiful They taught us how to love so deep Feel so complete Wasn't it wonderful Even if we knew that it would end If we had the chance, we'd do it all again Let's celebrate the children Celebrate our kids Celebrate the children And remember that they lived They are our strength They are the heroes, they're our angels now Let sorrow wait, let's celebrate They left so many gifts behind for each of us to find It's magical They're with us every day Give help along the way It's spiritual They're part of everything we say and do We're better people now Because of them it's true Celebrate the children Send them all our love Celebrate the children Looking down from up above They are our strength They are the heroes They're our angels now Let's sorrow Let's celebrate So fly, butterfly So long, sweet balloon Float up through the clouds Somewhere beyond the moon Let them know we'll see them soon They are our strength They 
are the heroes There are angels now Let sorrow wait Let's celebrate Celebrate Send them all our love Celebrate the children They're looking down from up above They are our strength They are the heroes They're our angels now Let's sorrow wait Let's celebrate Oh, celebrate Celebrate We got to know the magic of their smiles If only for a while Wasn't it beautiful? You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.